Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Business Excellence Podcast. My name is Rail Bricker, coming to you from Perth, Western Australia. And with me, as usual, my co-host from Brisbane, Australia, Lindsay Adams. Hello and welcome. For a value-added extra, excellencepodcast.com has heaps of free resources for you to download. That is excellencepodcast.com. Today, our special guest is Mariana Pascal. Mariana is based in Malaysia, and she's a Canadian who's worked uh, in Asia, in Singapore, predominantly in the last 20 years. Welcome, Mariana. Thank you very much for having me. Now, you're the founder of The Audience Journey, and this is a really interesting concept. So help our listeners understand, what's The Audience Journey? Okay, The Audience Journey is basically in any kind of presentation or conversation or speech. It's the moment-by-moment emotional, mental journey that the audience takes while listening to what you're delivering. So it's the actual inner exploration, the path they take from where they are when they come in to the conversation or the presentation or the speech to where they are when you finish. It's that path. And that's what I do with a lot of speakers. I I coach uh, speakers all over the world. I use it in my own training. I've used it in every speech I've done, every workshop I've ever ever done. Um, It's sort of the foundation of my life, I guess, is the audience journey. So let me ask you a question. You used the word there, listening. Now, now I go to a lot of conferences, as does Lindsay and yourself, you know, in, in, in our work as professional speakers. And I still see a lot of people who make the audience die of PowerPoint artists. Okay. And you used the word there about the journey. You said when people are listening to you, do you think that that current speakers, both not professional by and large, but, you know, a lot of people who speak at conferences and, and audiences tend to rely on the technology and they almost lose the audience who are not listening to them because they're reading what's on a slide? Yes, I think we we all think that real. We all know we all know that. But I think there we rely on other things too. People rely on their content to get them by. And at the end of the day, it's not about the content alone. It's the journey that you take them on. You can have the most amazing content in the world, but if you put bits in the wrong order, you don't get the right journey. You know, or if you spend too much time on one bit of content and not enough on the other, you get an entirely different journey. And when I'm coaching speakers or executive presenters, I find myself constantly saying to them, let's keep going back to the journey of the audience. And I find that most people, whether they're even speaker, even professional speakers, are so consumed sometimes with what they're putting out there that they consider the journey of the audience as something secondary instead of primary. So what are the elements to this journey? Is there a formula? Is there, is it in pieces, parts? Is there a sequence? Help me understand. Well, generally, I like to start with where you want them to go. You know, where do you want to take them in the first place? 
and then look at who they are when they're coming in there. And right away, you see this gap. You see there's this chasm in the middle. Now, to get them there, there's little benchmarks along the way. In other words, if I want to get you to, it's almost like traveling along a journey. If I want to get you, where's Brisbane? Brisbane's in the north, right? Am I right? Okay. So, so if, if, if I want to drive you and get you and let you off in Brisbane, I have to go through Sydney, don't I? Do I, actually? If you, <laughs> actually depends I if you're coming you. from Melbourne or not. If you're coming yeah. from Melbourne, you can go through Sydney on, the, on to Brisbane. There we go. Exactly. Okay, so, so, so you have to pass through there so that you have to know that Sydney is going to be a place they have to get to. And if you don't get them to Sydney, they're not going to get to Melbourne. So the, the actual sequence that plotting these emotional, mental places where they arrive at, these states of these states that they're in along the way, there's certain, you know, there, there is a methodology, but I wouldn't say there, there are laws to it. I would say it's a matter of being hyper vigilant and aware of, you know, if I want to get her here, or if I want to get this audience here, what state do they have to be in? Well, to get them in that state, how do I get them there? Well, I've got to get them here first. Well, to get them here first, what do I have to do? You know, a lot of the times you can work backwards to where they are now, or you can work forwards, but it's a very different mindset than a lot of people have who are very much, who are content rich. You know, and often I find the people that have the most content, whether it's executive speakers or keynote speakers or corporate trainers or, um, you know, any kind of presenter, the more information you have, the harder it is sometimes to take your attention away from that and focus on the journey that that audience needs to take to get where you want them to take. For example, I was just working with someone this morning and they were trying to get their audience to agree. By the end, they wanted the audience to agree but to get them to agree to what they wanted them to agree on, there was something, first of all, they had to accept as true. So they had to get them to that place first. That was a journey into itself. But to get them to accept that thing before that, they had to make a personal connection with them or else they couldn't even get into the the, the area that they wanted them to agree on, there would have been resistance. So when we looked at the journey they had to take, they had to first develop a, a, a very strong separate connection with the audience from where they wanted them to get to in the end. They had to let that go first and build that connection where the audience is right now. And then from there, find a way to link it to this area that they had to gain acceptance on. And only from that point, could they move forward to the area they wanted agreement on? So done in the wrong order or missing certain pieces, your information, your content may not carry them there. It would be like trying to drive from Melbourne to Brisbane via Perth. Yeah, that's the long way around. Yep. Yeah. That's not going to work. No. <clears throat> so you've or done... by trying to just skip over to Brisbane without actually going through any other cities. Yeah. So you've done a number of TED Talks um, and, and TEDx has 
my question is, you know, we talk, you, you talk about this journey and you have to take people along and these milestones and things like that. In the short format speaking, which is the TED style speaking, you know, how much harder, well, what do you do? You know, if you've got an hour keynote, you've got time to build up these, these benchmarks. How do you translate that into a nine to 18 minute talk? Well, I think one of the best formats that actually assists the journey or supports the journey is to, to frame your TEDx or a short talk around not what you know, but how you came to know it. In doing that, you're taking the audience with you on those very same milestones that you took. So you're starting off with where they are now, with a problem or a question or a mystery or a pain. And then you're walking them through how you got to step B, and they're with you on that step. From there, you can take them to what you realized when you got to step C, and, and from there, they follow you along on your discovery. That's a really great format, I think, for anyone wanting to do a, a TEDx or any short talk. And it's interesting. You know, the journey of how you got someplace is usually 10 times more impactful and interesting than what you, just what you, what you know or what you found when you got there. So, Mariana, you've had um, a little bit of success with the TEDx presentation. I think to date the views on one of your presentations is only 27 million. Am I jealous? Yes. 27 <laughs> million views on a TEDx presentation. That's amazing. Yeah. That's, that's, that's globally. That's including China, which makes up a good chunk of it, about half, I think. Um, Chinese views are just as good as any other view, trust me. So tell me now, what do you think is the secret or the reason for that success? What Help me out here. I mean, 27 million views. I'm in awe of you. Oh, well, I think, again, it was the, you know, it's, it's exactly what I, I do with other speakers and executives. It's, it's, I thought, from the viewpoint of the journey, of the journey of what they would be experiencing. So... I took them on a journey themselves from when I didn't know what they don't know to where I found out what they want to know. So they, they came with me on that journey. So part of it was the delivery and the way I styled it. But I think also, you know, I think I spoke to and about a huge part of the world and something that they're all feeling and going through, and and my message kind of said, I, I'm with you. I I I support you. I gave, I I I think I it was I was able to get into the minds and the hearts of a very big chunk of the world, and that's all the people using English as a second language, which, make, which makes up almost all the English speakers in the world, actually. And talk to them about their their fears of of being not quite right or not quite good enough because they're not speaking the language as native speakers. That alone speaks to a lot of people, but the message itself was about uh, don't worry the way you're the way you're doing it is fine. You don't need to be any better than you than you are right now. That was, I think, what they wanted to hear. That language is not something you have to master. 
It's a tool you can use any way you need to to get the result. People, people are desperate to hear that because in school, they learn the opposite, you know, the common, I think it went against the, the, what they learn at school that, that language is something to master. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the title of the presentation? It's called learning a language, speak it like you're playing a video game. And that was my journey. That was my own journey. When I, when I was in a video arcade and I suddenly had this moment where I got the answer to the, the mystery of how is it that some people have a low level of, of English and they speak with total confidence. And I got that answer in a, in a video arcade. And that's what the talk was about. So it was kind of that, my j- journey of discovering it. Okay. And, and so having been down this road and we're talking about the, the audience journey, how has that changed in the COVID world of online presentations and, and how will it impact, you know, moving forwards? Oh, I think, I think it's, it's more necessary than ever in a, in a post-COVID. I mean, people, you know, most, I would say, I would bet, I don't know if there's, maybe you guys know if there's any statistics on this, but I would bet that most people in a corporate environment today are communicating as thumbnails, they're not showing up. They're not actually there. People aren't seeing them. They're, they're disappearing behind their work. And that is so dangerous. That is so dangerous because influence is very much connected to not information. It's connected to the journey of, of, of the emotion. Who was it? It was Malcolm Gladwell said that the, I think he said the best influence in Influence and influencers in the world are emotionally contagious. And that means they know how to take you somewhere and they know how to make that person want to tell other people and spread it. It's like a virus of emotion. And, and that takes showing up and it takes story and it takes an, a, a, you know, when, when people in the corporate world are not seeing each other, then they become even more content-centered and less audience-centered. So that need for people to actually have total focus on the journey the people listening to them are taking is, is more important than ever. Would you agree with me, gentlemen? Absolutely. So I've got a question for you, though. You, you mentioned story. So how important is it to have stories in a presentation? I mean, we know we're getting uh, facts and so on, but how important is it to have stories? Well, first of all, I think a lot of people misunderstand what stories are. People think stories are tales, you know, anecdotes, but story can simply be a sequence of facts told in a certain way where one thing leads to another and that leads to another and that leads to another. You know, I, I, I don't, I, when I say journey, I, story, I think I mean more like journey because I could tell you an interesting sequence of facts, but I could tell it to you in such a way that when I tell you one fact, you immediately think of something. And then when I tell you the next fact, 
you attach it to that thing that I know that you're thinking about. And now you're thinking about something else. It's taken you in another direction. So story isn't just tales. It's journey. It's guiding people's brains along a path. And it's always partly emotional, partly intellectual. It's all, it always seems to me to be some kind of a combination of the two. So it's not really the hero's journey. It's not, it's not the, the classic sort of hero's journey story that, that a lot of, you know, speaker coaches and others, you know, say you have to find the hero's journey to capture your audience and take them along. But sometimes they, my, my thought was that they can't, you know, you said take them along the journey of your own discovery, whereas sometimes they can't relate to the hero's story, the hero's journey. No, and I don't think they have to. Uh, yeah, I, I think it depends on the type of, of presentation that you're giving, doesn't it? I mean, I could say to you right now as an example, I could say I was just at a local Starbucks, my Starbucks. There were 47 people in there. And of those 47, about 38 of them were under the age of 20. And of those guys, about 99% of them were on their phones. And in that whole place, I only heard the sound of one person speaking. And that was me. That's pretty amazing. You know, that, that's just a sequence of facts. But I'm sure when I told it to you, I took you on a mini journey. I took you, you know, I guided your brain. Right? Not not very well. Okay, this was impromptu. Give me a break. I just thought it I love that story and I love the way you you're right. It was just a series of facts, but linked with I. You know, I went down to the Starbucks. So it's sharing your own experience. You know, it, it wouldn't have sounded the same if you quoted an article that said, I read an article on Starbucks and that 87% of their customers are under the age of 20 and go there for the free Wi-Fi. But, but, you know, the way you told it by personalizing it, that I think made the impact of that as, as an example of a series of facts, but personalized to your own story. I think I could have done, though I could have done it without that and still created a sense of journey. I could have said, you know, there was an article in the blah, 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 blah. And it said that in your average Starbucks at 12 o'clock in the afternoon, 97% of the people in there are under going to be under 20. And of that, all of those people, 90% of those are going to be sitting there in silence on a device. You know, there's still a sense of, I don't know, would you call that story? It's totally- I think it's story and journey. I, I think you've, yeah. you've crafted that very well. So, Mariana, the I want to go back to this thing about the emotion because uh, uh, I'm, I'm curious when when people get emotionally connected, it 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 makes a difference. What's the secret to adding in emotion to this journey? How do we get that in there? I was working with a lawyer this morning. She she's giving a talk to her organization. She's a C-suite. She's she's speaking on a subject that's quite dry. Okay. Um, she's speaking on the subject of, of bias, you know, but she's speaking very factually. You know, she's speaking to the huge to the organization and it's very sort of strategic. Um, but what we what we talked about was, look, 
you want to you want these leaders you want the leaders in your organization to change the way they work the way they deal with people well to do that you need them to be in a certain state and i was saying to her what state would they have to be in to change the way they've been doing something for 57 years sorry not 57 say 37 years what state would you have to get them to? You think any amount of information is going to change them? And, and we decided no, but what if, what if you could let them feel what it might feel like to talk to an individual, an employee in your office, who for their entire career has been looked at in a certain way because they wear a hijab. They've been looked at, they've been seen as separate. They've been treated politely. They've been part of the organization, but they've always been seen as separate. What would it feel like to be that person that talks to someone like that? And that person says to them for the first time in 37 years, you're the first person that made me feel like you see me. What would it be like to be that guy? If you can get them in that state, you can change the way they work, but no amount of information will get. So I think um, underneath any any influence you want to have on another person, you have to get to something, a state that they have to be in to want to change. You have to get them to a state. Brilliant. I love it. Um, I'm in a state of excitement and disappointment because our time is up and uh, we are going to have to close it off here. Mariana, thank you so much for joining us today. If our listeners wanted to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, they could just email me at mariana at marianapascal.com. There we go. Nice and easy. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me. It was such a pleasure. Nice to see you both, gentlemen. Thank you very much, Mariana. And a thank you to my co-host, Lindsay Adams. This is Rail Bricker signing off for another edition of the Business Excellence Podcast with a reminder to pop along to excellencepodcast.com where you can download a number of free resources to help you on your journey to excellence in both business and in life.